Amen. Lord, we can't imagine how how much it cost you. We can think about it, we can meditate on it, but when we really get down to it, we can't understand how much it cost you, Father, to send your Son. But you did it anyway because you love us, and we thank you. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for being obedient to the Father, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing Jesus Christ to us. Father, to you be the glory. In your name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who just uh, are online, again, we're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You can check us out every Sunday, 10 a.m., and every Thursday at 7.15 p.m. So tune in. We're in Palm Beach, Florida. You can check our website out, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb.org. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You know, check us out online. You'll find out what we're about. You know, we're, we're just a basic, simple church that believe in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe in his blood, his resurrection, his death first, and then his resurrection. And, uh, you know, um, I like to think that this church represents the early church. You know, it's alive and well, active, and um, what can I say? Living and moving and having their being in our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's what... Uh, Freedom Church uh, is a little bit about. So if you're online, you could go to the Give button too. And if you feel led, and the Holy Spirit is leading you, give. But uh, keep your tithes for your church. We don't want to infiltrate any of that because, you know, even though this COVID thing's out there, the church goes on. Please don't hinder the gospel. Send your tithes to your churches. If you want to give special gifts to other churches that you listen to, that's fine. But uh, so, so again, welcome. Today we're in Genesis chapter 9, but first um, I want to pray for our nation, things that are going on against the COVID, a uh, few things that may be going on in this church, you know, that, uh, that we, we need to pray for, okay? So Father, in Jesus' name, once again we come before you in prayer. You told us to ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. And you said to everyone who asks, he receives. Not some of us, everyone. So Lord, we, we, we know you hear our prayer and we know you receive our prayer. And Lord, we're going to keep on asking. Father, we are asking for our nation. You tell us to pray for our, our nation, our leadership, our political officials, and we pray for them. Here's my prayer for them, that they would wake up and turn back to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, let them turn back. Let them be unashamed of the gospel of Christ, like they were in the beginning, came to a new country, unashamed of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to start out new. And now, seems like the enemy has tried to infiltrate that and, and uh, just wipe the name of Jesus out. But Jesus promised us that his church would never be wiped out. And that means his name would be never wiped out. So, Father, we're going to believe with you. We're going to believe, Lord, for this nation to do a turnaround. So if your people who are called by your name in the United States of America would humble themselves, pray, seek your face, and turn or repent 
from their wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven. You will forgive our sins, and you will heal our land. And what would our land need healed of? It needs healed of abortion. It needs healed of lying and cheating and stealing, adultery and fornication. Lord, it, it needs healed of, of uh, deception, Father God. And we need your touch. We pray that you would bless this nation once again and that we would in turn bless your name. But I think it starts with us first. We bless you, then you bless us. And Lord, we don't want to be out there saying, bless me, bless me, Lord. So you're up there saying, that's all you ever hear. No one aches, never, no one cares. Nobody even sheds one tear. But Lord, you cry, you weep, you bleed, and you care for our needs. And some of the church just lays back and just keeps soaking it in when we're supposed to be putting it out. So Lord, help us to put it out from this little church of Palm Beaches. You know, right now we might have what the early apostles had, 12 disciples, what you had, 12 disciples. And you know what, Lord, you turned the world upside down with 12 disciples. So you can do it with no matter how big the church is, whether it's huge or small, Lord, you can turn the world upside down. But Lord, it doesn't seem to be happening, and we need your help. Help us to turn the world upside down by not being ashamed of our Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those sick in the church that I know about. Lord, we pray for Bob Muller. Lord, that you protect him and keep him and his son-in-law, Eric. Father, Bob told me last time I talked to him that, that his infection in his foot was gone. So, uh, Lord, he was in good spirits. Well, we haven't seen him yet, nor does he answer my calls. So it seems to go to voicemail. But, Lord, Eric, Derek was having uh, leukemia, getting um Chaos chemotherapy, Lord, we want to find out about him. Lord, so we just lift him up to you. We lift up to you, Dorothy, Ruta, Father uh, Ellie, Lord, that have been out because of this COVID thing and just wise for them to stay out with their, their age and what their doctor and their family is telling them. And we thank you, Father, that we have people with that are wise in this church, not only wise in knowledge, about wise and godly wisdom. So we thank you for that. Father God, there's other people that that uh, don't want, you know, maybe don't want to say anything, but I know they need you, uh, a touch from you. And we pray for all those, Lord, that's ever walked into the doors of Freedom Church. Lord, that you pour your blessing down upon them. They would recognize it's you. And Lord, they would go about doing your work in this dark, dark world because we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we are, are political, highly exalted political officials in a foreign land who represent our homeland, and our homeland is heaven. So we're no longer part of this world. We're part of the kingdom of heaven when we were born again. And we thank you and praise you and give you the glory. Lord God, we pray for the Christmas presentations that's going to be coming up in all the different churches this year that your holy spirit would sit upon the word the presentation and bring conviction to people so that they fall on their knees and they repent of their sins and they call upon the name of jesus ten thirteen romans ten thirteen. whoever calls upon the name of the lord he shall be saved praise your holy name lord for saving us i want you to save the whole world and I know that's your prayer, too. That's your will, that the whole world be saved and none perish, but all come to repentance. Let us start today, even with this prayer, for your glory. 
In Jesus' name, we bind back the devil. We loose your Holy Spirit, and we say, our God is good. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Okay. Genesis chapter 9. It's easy to find. It's right in the front of your Bible. Last week, we, we you know, did, uh, I mean, it was a week before that, because last week was Thanksgiving. So um, we were in chapter uh, 8. We, we saw the flood. The flood subsided. And now we are on the mountain of Iraq, Ararat in Turkey. And uh, we're going to see that things have changed considerably in the world since the flood. Let's read the, the, uh, the ninth chapter. I don't know if I'll read the whole thing first. I think we're going to stop about halfway through, and then we'll continue read it again when we get there. Okay, chapter 9, Genesis. I'm reading from the New American Standard. And God blessed Noah, his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of all you will be on every beast of the earth and on the bird of the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hands they are given every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you i shall i give all to you as i gave the green plant only you shall not eat flesh with its life that is the blood surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of men. man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the cattle and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, every, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the clouds, and I, it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring the cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting 
covenant between God and every living creature and every flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. We'll stop there. So God blessed Noah and his sons. That's Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And you know what? They all had their wives, so there was eight people. So God had blessed all eight of them as they came off of the ark. Um, God blessed his Noah and his sons. In other words, you can see that now God is favorably inclined towards men. He was very disappointed with the earth and the men that were in it. You know, after all the godly men left, you know, the you know were were dead, then Methuselah would have been the last one that died. You know, this is when the ark was began to be built and God had had enough. There was too much going on. There was too much sin. There was too much depravity. And every intent of man's heart was evil continually, we read. And God was fed up. But now he's favorable towards man. He's blessed, you know, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah, and their wives. And you know what? We see that in the New Testament, too. God so loved the world, he still loves the world. You know, he wishes that none would perish and all would come to repentance. So now the earth is blessed once again and it's like a new start. Kind of like being born again if you were born again. You had a new start in life. Well, the world has a new start, a new beginning, a new season, you could say. And by the way, this is when the seasons began. Be fruitful and multiply over the earth. God's commanding men to be fruitful. You know, that's one thing men got right. They are fruitful and they multiply. Uh, God's will is for man to fill the earth and to spread out throughout the earth. But yet, you see, we are kind of crammed together in these big cities. And it seems like the bigger the city, if I, how can I say this without offending too many people, it seems like the more liberal they become or the more evil they become you know if you get two sinners in a room there's always a problem you know if I fill this church this church seats about 85 to 100 people but if I fill this church with people and I walked away for about three hours when I come back and I get the people that you know people like like minds gravitate together. When I come back, you'll find out that all the people that used to be drunkards are over here, all the people that were involved in sexual immorality over here, all people that, that do drugs and coke, you know, they'd be over here. They all seem like, like spirits kind of grab, you know, blend, blend together. And I think that's what happens when we get into these big cities. You know, we start to, to, uh, to crowd out the good good and I think that's what we got to watch as we get you know as we move into this world and we've already been here for thousands of years since Noah and the rainbow and and since God altered the earth notice now that the earth's in an altered state verse 2 the fear of 
the fear of you and the terror of you will be in every beast of the earth and on the birds of the sky and everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hands they are given. You, you think back before the ark, it, you know, as we move through this chapter, I think man was, was um, basically a vegetarian until the flood. And you're going to see hints of it in here. The animals were not fearful of man, it seems like, by this verse, prior to the flood. You know, you know that God spoke to the animals, and the animals actually came onto the ark. Noah didn't have to get his lasso and go lasso a horse. You know, they just came to the ark. They came by twos, except for the clean animals. They came by seven. So the animals didn't fear men, it don't seem like, before the flood. And most likely because maybe we were vegetarians and they weren't worried about getting killed or eaten. Um, now, though, after the flood, the animals, it says right here, the fear of you and the terror of you will be, on a, will be upon every beast. And you see that today. Animals are basically afraid of man. Uh, even even puppy dogs, some of them that you, you love and they love you, it's some of them just are fearful of man. Not too many, but that's one animal, or even cats, you know, they're not so fearful of men. But most animals are. They run away from men for the most part. Because now there's a fear in them. So I believe after the flood, man was permitted to eat animals. Every moving thing shall be f uh, food for you, says verse 3. Look at this. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you, and I gave the as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its blood, with its I'm sorry, with its life, that is the blood. That right there tells you that the life is in the blood. God does not want you to drink blood because it's the life. You know what? It's just been about 200 years, I think, before they finally figured out that, that life is in the blood. Yet we see in the, in the, in, uh, the garden, well, we, not, it was the Garden of Eden, but we see that Cain, when he killed Abel, the blood of Abel was calling out from the ground. That's the life to God. So you see, you know, we're, we're told don't eat the blood because that's the very life. And you know what? When we get into the New Testament, I'll be touching on it here tonight if I get that far. Everything's in the blood of Christ. Your sanctification, your justification, your salvation, your redemption is all in the blood. And there's a lot more than that. You know, God was building a respect for blood from the very beginning. You've got to respect the blood. Life is in the blood. Your eternal life is in the blood of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you better respect it. Hebrews tells you in chapter 10 that if you don't respect it, it might be chapter 9, you know, that He tells you if you tread, uh, uh, just consider the blood of Christ as worthless and you, you step on it, you know, you're headed for the wrong place because you disrespected the very blood of Almighty God who shed His blood for you. Even though Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man, you know, He still was God in the flesh. 
Before the flood, I, I really think that a man was vegetarian, and now man is permitted to eat animals. And notice that this supersedes or comes before the Mosaic law. It comes before Moses' law. Why? Why is man allowed to eat the blood? It could be that, or not to eat the blood, but eat animals. It could be because the vegetation hasn't really grown yet as they came off of the ark. And that's where their life-sustaining food was. You know, the collapse of the canopy, the water canopy around the earth, and the fountains of the deep opening up, you know, um, I, there, there was no longer suitable for vegetation, you know, uh, in certain parts, and that had to grow. Um, we had to, you know, the vegetation had to grow. So God has given man the ability to eat all animals, of course. Um, we know that uh, there were clean animals and there were unclean animals because Noah was told to take two of the unclean animals and seven of the clean animals. So that predates the Mosaic Law. So there's clean animals and there's any, um, and <laughs> clean animals and not so clean animals. So, you know, we got to know that. That supersedes the law. But Noah, when he sacrificed, he sacrificed a dove, you know, it was a clean animal. He knew what to do. And then there were six doves left. So when Noah got off the ark, he sacrificed unto the Lord. Later, you know, the dietary restrictions were added when the Mosaic Law came out, or the Law of Moses. There's two reasons for the Mosaic Law, which is a practical reason to stop disease. You know that, you know, Jews, you think about it, they're, they're not allowed to eat shellfish. You think about it, and pork. Those are two foods that can make you sick really quick if it's, if it's spoiled. So God was actually protecting his people. And it was another reason it would set the Jews and, uh, um, apart from the pagans, the ones who didn't follow after Yahweh. You shall not eat the flesh with its blood. The blood symbolizes life, and the life is in the blood. Even Leviticus and the law was given out. For the, it's Leviticus 17.11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. In the New Testament, we find out in Hebrews 9.22 that, that all things are cleansed with blood. Your sins are cleansed away with, through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the respect for the blood. Animals are now eaten, but there must be a respect for the blood. You do not drink the blood. Even in the New Testament, when the church was established and Paul took some things before the church board, with, it was, um, it was um, let's see, it came back. Who was in charge of the church then? You guys know, I could slip my mind. Stephen, no. Peter? Jim? 
The early church was led by Jesus's, huh? James. James, okay. It was led by, and when James came back with the pronouncement, he said, okay, the, the Gentiles being saved do not have to be circumcised, but they are to restrain from drinking blood. See, it's holy. Blood is holy. Your life is in the blood. Your blood flows out, and you're dead. That's all there is to it. Well, the Bible shows the blood is sacred. It's not to be consumed. Here's some things. that The blood represents the mercy of God at Passover. The blood seals the covenant with God, with Israel. The blood sanctifies the altar. The blood makes atonement for people, Exodus 30, verse 10. The blood sanctifies the priests. The blood seals the new covenant. When Jesus gave the blood, we're going to be doing communion on Sunday. When Jesus passed the cup around and he said to the, to the apostles, this is my blood, drink of it, for it's in remembrance of me. The blood sealed the New Testament covenant. Jesus just turned the Passover into the New Testament covenant at the Last Supper. That's exactly what he did by the blood that was going to be shed within the next day or two as he was arrested that night, as you well know. The blood seals the new covenant. The blood justifies us before God. You know, God cannot see your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. People say, well, God can do anything. Yeah, but he chooses not to see your sins through his son's blood that covers you and washes away your sin. Yeah, hallelujah is right. Good thing God doesn't look at my, my sin and he looks at the blood of Christ on me because as much as you try not to sin, you sin. The blood gives us redemption. You can find that in Ephesians 1.7. The blood cleanses us, Hebrews 9.14. The blood sanctifies us. Sanctifies us. Because of the blood, we are in a, a position before God as sons of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood enables us to overcome the enemy. As you well know, that it's by the blood that we can enter into the holy place. Remember that curtain when Jesus died on the cross was torn from top to bottom and the Holy of Holies was separated from the holy place. But when that curtain ripped open, when Jesus drew his last breath, and, and now anybody can walk right up to the Holy Holies and you can bow your face before Jesus boldly before the throne of Almighty God. By the blood, you can enter the holy place, Hebrews 10, 19. You overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of, his, of your testimony. You come, uh, overcome the blood of, I mean, overcome the devil. The devil has no jurisdiction over you because you're covered in the blood of Christ. I can think verse after verse after verse. God has... has uh, Give us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And listen to this. Nothing, nothing 
by any means shall hurt you. Nothing. So when the devil tries to hurt you, you tell him to take a hike, get to the pit, because you have authority over him. Through the blood. God institutes the principle of capital punishment coming up in verse 5. I know a lot of people might take a offense to this. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man's blood shall be shed. He shall be shed. By his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth and abundantly and multiply in it. Do you see that this capital punishment predates, again, the Mosaic Law? It's even written in Leviticus, if uh, it's Exodus, actually, 21. If an ox gores you, the ox is to be stoned, stoned to death. The ox. Exodus 21, same chapter. If you strike somebody and murder him, you are to be killed. You know what? Jesus said it very, very easily. He said, if you live by the sword, you what? Die by the sword. So is capital punishment today? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yes. Now what happened to mercy and grace? See, there's the argument. So it could be it's a it could be a gray area, and we got to be very careful. You got to go by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what He's saying to you. For the your life blood, I will demand a reckoning. Now, is capital punishment applicable for today? Whoever sheds a man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. Now. Not all killing, this is referring to murder, by the way, but not all killing is murder. You got self-defense. Somebody might try to strike you, and you struck him first because he tried to kill you. Then, then there's, there's, that is not murder. And then there's capital punishment for, um, uh, not capital punishment, but there's wars. There's room for war. There's a time to live there's a time to die there's a time of peace and there's a time of war i've i've uh, counseled several um young men that were were in war and and older men you know that had killed people during world war ii and they think god won't forgive them david was a warrior he killed a lot of people not only did he kill uriah you know, by telling Joab, his general, to put Uriah in the front line, who was the husband of Bathsheba. Not only did David kill Uriah by, by that, you know, the soldiers went out to them to the wall, and they got so close to the wall that the soldiers on the wall of the city they were conquering, trying to conquer, they drew their arrows, and it killed many of the Israeli soldiers, not just Uriah. David was guilty of all multiple counts of murder, not just one. But he was forgiven because he had a heart that chased after God. But he wasn't, remember, you remember, he was not allowed to build the temple. He, was, he, wanted, he had a good desire to build the temple for God's say, for God's name, and for God to reside, even though he knew God 
takes the whole heavens to reside. He, you know, God was pleased that he wanted to build a house for him, but he said, you can't build it because you're a man of blood. And Solomon, of course, took it over. But David got all the preparations ready for that, for that, rebuild, that building of the temple. War, just wars, are, are, are not murder. And then there's accidental death. Just be an accident. You fall off of a ladder 40 feet in the air and smack your head, you know. Uh, not everything is, uh, is murder. And I researched it once, and I thought for sure the Ten Commandments said, Thou shalt not murder, not thou shalt not kill. But you know what? When I studied it, I couldn't find evidence of that. Um, and, and it disappointed me because I thought for sure. So, you know, there is a difference between murder capital punishment, I mean, between murder and self-defense and war. So anyway, the capital punishment here seen in Genesis chapter 9, you know, precedes the Mosaic law and does in the New Testament too. Even Romans 13, 1 through 4 says, uh, the executioner is God's minister of wrath. That's in Hebrew, in Romans 10, uh, 13, 1 through 4. Then in Acts, Paul says, if I am an offender, I am worthy of death. So Paul's telling you, you know, if I offended, I, 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 I accept it. I understand that it's, it's right for you to kill me. Uh, Jesus said, of course, you take up the cross or take up the sword will die by the sword. But what about mercy and grace? Well, capital punishment, you know, acts as a preventative measure. If somebody knows they want to kill you, but sometimes it prevents them from killing you, there is a law that says you're going to get killed. You know, they're going to stick a needle in your arm, and you're going to die. That kind of like preventative method, you know. You don't, so it's, it's, if you have that, it probably presents, a rep, you know, it's a preventative measure against murder and and then the text tells us why you would kill these people and it's because we are made in the image of God well words respect one another God we we're made in his image we're we're spirit we're soul we're body you can check it out in first Thessalonians 5:23 we are spirit we are soul and we are body we're made in God's image father son holy spirit remember my my teaching of you for in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3, we're made in God's image. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the, over the waters. And then, and, and, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And for verse 1, verse 2, the Spirit hovered over the waters. Verse 3, God spoke. Jesus is the Word of God. He spoke. It was God. It was Jesus doing all the speaking. It was Jesus who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. So we're made in God's image. In other words, respect one another. And that's what Cain did when he killed Abel. He disrespected someone made in the image of God. And, of course, the blood of Abel cried out to God from the ground. That shows you the life is in the blood. So when you get to the mercy and grace, you know, there is a time for mercy and there is a time for grace. But I think as, as uh, 
as you stand before judges, I think God gives them the, and should give them the, the right to understand and the right judgment, hopefully. Verse, uh, let's see, verse 7. For as for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. You know that this is the, this is the, uh, I think it's the third time that God tells us to be fruitful and multiply. Verse 9, 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the cattle and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the waters of the flood, neither shall there be a flood to destroy the earth again. You know, it's this covenant that God's going to make, and you're going to see the, the, uh, the rainbow is the sign of remembrance of the covenant. Okay? God, that's not only for man. It's also for the animals and the creatures. Even those animals uh, somehow probably uh, understand the rainbow. Now, we have people that want to steal the rainbow away from God. Well, I refuse to give it to them because the rainbow is a covenant between God and man. And I'll tell you what, you can't steal God's word. And there will be retribution to pay as far as I'm concerned for trying to take what God has designed as holy and make it something unholy. But the world just doesn't get it. Man's heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, and as, as we see back in Genesis, the first chapter, first six chapters before the flood, man's heart is deceitful, it's evil. Every thought of his heart is evil continually. Continually. I will establish my covenant. There's a covenant that God's going to make between God and Noah, but it's also for all the, all the future generations and even for the animals. Then we know God made a covenant with Abraham. The covenant was for land, children, and children and blessing. And then God made a covenant with David that his there would not there would not be anyone who his in other words his his seed would rule upon the throne forever. And as you well know, Jesus Christ was from the line of David, and he rules on the throne. Guess what? Forever. Even though the Jews lost their nation for a while, there was still a royal line up until even today, or up until Christ. Um, the word covenant appears seven times. Oh, by the way, I left out Jesus made a covenant with his disciples, which was the new covenant, which is us. We are his disciples. So God made a covenant with us also. So you have Noah's God's covenant to Noah, God's covenant to Abraham, God's covenant to David, and God's covenant to his disciples, which is us today. The word covenant appears seven times in this passage. 
and God is establishing a unique and binding agreement with mankind. You and your descendants forever, forever. And who descended from Noah? Everybody, right? Remember the line? Cain's family was wiped out in the flood. We came, we, every one of us come from Shem, Ham, or Japheth. And every single one of us come through Noah. Now, there's a possibility, it isn't written in the scripture that Noah, he was only 600 years old. He lived to 900 and some. He could have had other wives and maybe more children, even with his same wife, which is more likely one wife. But he could have had more children after that. So there could be more, but you you know you can you can trace your lineage back to, you know Europe, which is where um, Japheth was known to occupy. Shem was known to occupy Asia, and of course um, Ham was occupied in Africa. So you could pretty much trace your lineage. Me being, for example, me being from Italy. Um, uh, my dad and parents, all my grandparents from Italy, I could eventually say that I am European. So I would therefore fall under Japheth, you know. And if you're Middle Eastern, you know, you probably fall under Shem. Now, God enters into the covenant with the animals. It's extended to animals. You know, does that tell you that God loves animals? He does. You know, even the scriptures, and I think it's Proverbs, it's either Psalms or Proverbs, but I think it's Proverbs, it says that a good man takes care of his beast. And you know what? That's what God does. He takes care of his beast. He loves the animals. He made a covenant with animals here, not just man. He loves all of his creation. God enters into a covenant with the animals. Um, he carried them in the ark. He could have just wiped everything out, but he didn't. He carried the animals in the ark, made, made a place for every living creature. And then he'd say it in verse 10 and 11. Did I read 10 and 11? Okay, 11. I established my covenant with you and all flesh will never again be cut off by the waters of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is you, with you, for all successive generations. I set my bow in the clouds. This is a rainbow, okay? And it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and you. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which, I, which is between me and with you and every living creature of the flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy the earth. Remember, there were no rainbows prior to the flood. The earth was tropical. We know that from, you know, there was creatures all over the face of the earth. I explained, you know, the water vapor barrier around the complete earth. And the, wa- the, the, the plants were watered from the ground. It was tropical. The water vapor barrier 
talk, took out all the toxic rays that were killing mankind, which we know of today. Too much sun, you can kill you, you know, radiation, all the harmful rays of the sun. Well, that was, that was all, the, all the sun's heat was captured by that, warmed the water completely around the earth because God separated the waters from the waters and dry land appeared. So now we have water vapor barrier over the earth, you know, and, and we have water under the earth. Our earth was completely tropical, north pole to south pole, east to west, completely tropical. Okay, but then when the flood came, you remember God opened up the windows of heaven, so the water vapor barrier collapsed, and the and water, and He opened the fountains of the earth, and they came up, and within no time, the very mountains were covered to seven and a half foot above the highest mountain, which, by the way, is something like two miles over the average height of a mountain. So he put this bow in the sky as a remembrance. And how does a rainbow made? It's the particles of rain and sunlight that caused the rainbow. And you know me, I was a sign painter in my prior career. And you know, you know the rainbow, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, you know, blue, indigo, violet. You know, God, every time a Roma comes, it's always those colors in always that order. And you know what? When you try to find the end of the rainbow, you never find the end of the rainbow. You know why? Because this covenant is for all the earth, or including the animals. You'll never find the end of the rainbow. Sorry about the Lucky Charms uh, guy. He's not going to find the pot of gold at the end. If you want to know what the pot of gold is, it is God that you need and you find your pot of gold, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the precious blood that he shed on the cross. He's promising by this rainbow, Lincoln, God doesn't forget anything. But he's telling us, when you see that rainbow, you can remember I'm never going to destroy the earth by flood or water again. Now, we do have floods on the earth. But there's never going to be a destructive flood to destroy the whole earth. Actually, the Word of God tells us that God sets the boundaries to the land. Do you know that the, the waters do not exceed God's boundaries? Okay? That means the shape of the United States was intentionally put there by God. The shape of Japan was intentionally put there by God. He... he founded that and set the edge of it and I have the scripture verse to that when I get to it I'll tell you the scripture verse on that and this rainbow this rainbow you know it, it tells you when you see it you can remember God and everybody everybody takes a look at rainbows when you see them you you just say you marvel at least I do if I see a good rainbow I I take a picture of it usually and sometimes there's usually two of them it's a double reminder that God is not going to destroy the earth again. You can be sure of it. Now, we know for, from studying the scriptures that God's not a man that he should lie, a son of man that he should repent. You know, we know that. We know the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. So this is going to happen. The earth will never again be destroyed by flood. We will have rainstorms, and there will be a creek that floods. 
or a river that floods, or an ocean that floods, but there's never going to be an earth. Now, the earth is never going to be destroyed again by flood. As a matter of fact, Second Peter 3.10 tells us that the earth will be destroyed by what? Fire. Fire. And you know, Colossians tells us that it's Jesus that holds the entire world together. And once them molecules explode, the atom explode, fire. No more global floods. This is the sign, the rainbow in the heaven. And it, it really upsets me. You know, when I was in the sign business back in the, in the late 70s, I established my company logo for my sign company was a rainbow. From the time I established that company till the time I quit and moved to Florida, I sold the company and moved to Florida, that, comp that rainbow was taken over by, the, by, by people that don't uh, you know, want it for their logo. And people used to stop at my sign shop and ask me if I was gay or if I was a Christian. I said, no, that's from remembering God's bow in the sky that he'll never destroy the earth again. So the, 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 what can I say, the dictionary reference for rainbow changed in a few years. But wait, God ain't going to let them keep that. Let me tell you right now, God ain't going to let them keep it. It's going to be proof that God will not destroy the earth again. Just like circumcision is the sign of God's covenant with Israel. And like communion elements is a sign of his new covenant, which we're going to do on, on Sunday again. You have your bread ready out there on the air and get yourself a cup of grape juice. And, uh, you know, we're going to have communion on Sunday. Remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A rainbow shall be for a signs. How do rainbows work? Of course, again, rain and sunlight. Prior to the flood, no rainbows because there wasn't any rain. When Noah told everybody he's building a boat because it's going to flood, you know, the, or it's going to, the rain's going to fall from heaven, they thought he was cuckoo. The sky's falling. The sky is falling. They thought, cuckoo. This guy's cuckoo. And for a hundred years... They thought he was cuckoo, but you know what Noah did? He kept on pressing in, kept on building, kept on working. He probably even hired some of the sinners in the area to help him, but they still didn't believe. It doesn't say anything about that, nor does it say his son did it. Sons did, helped him, but I'm sure something like that did happen. Four things about the rainbow. The rainbow represents God's glowing covenant. It's a glowing covenant to us. It shows God's glory. You know that it's beautiful, isn't it? Do you know in heaven there's a rainbow above God's throne? You'll find that in Revelation 4, verse 3. It's an eternal reminder. Even when we get to heaven, that rainbow's we're going to remember how God protected us and saved us down here on earth. And not only does it show God's glory, it shows God's beauty because there's nothing beautiful than a rainbow. It shows God's faithfulness because every time it rains, there's a rainbow somewhere. It's faithful. 
He's never going to stop being faithful. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness towards us. And then it shows God's mercy because, you know, He saved the world. Even though He destroyed the world, He saved the world from eternal extinction. And notice, too, in verse 14, I think we read it. Verse 14, I will set... Now, better go back to the verse here. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the clouds. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God controls it all. He controls it all. He controls the weather patterns. You know what? There was a man claimed to be Messiah. He was in a boat, and the Sea of Galilee was all whipped up because the winds flew down the Jordan Valley from, I think it's Mount Hermon, come down and worked up that 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 little sea, seven and a half miles wide, and worked it up. And here's this man on the boat that you got up and said, hush, be still. And there it was, hushed, and it was stilled. God controls the weather patterns. And the only one that I know that ever stopped a storm was two of, two of them that I see, I think, in the, in the New Testament. And that man's name was Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Son of God. God controls the weather patterns. This man, man spends billions of dollars on meteorological equipment, and he still don't get it right half the time. My mother used to tell me, when you see the lay cows laying down in the field, get in because it's going to storm. And I thought she was kidding me until I went up to, I was up Canada fishing one day in uh, Thousand Island area and the, in the St. Lawrence River where it met St. Ontario and we're fishing away, fishing away, casting the line, catching all kind of pike and bass. And uh, the cows are laying down in the field, and it's beautiful outside. I'm telling my buddy who's with me, I said, we better go in. The cows are all laying down. Hey, he thought I was nuts. We stayed out there and fished because the fishing was really good. And I'll tell you, all of a sudden, whew, Lightning started flashing all around us. We had about a mile and a half to get back to camp. And I'll tell you what, we prayed all the way. He was a Christian too. And I'll tell you, we prayed all the way. But those cows had a better better sense than some of man's meteorological equipment today. Every time we see a cloud in the sky, you can remember that God spared us. So that rainbow again, it shows God's glory, shows God's beauty, it shows God's faithfulness, and it shows God's mercy towards mankind. Because when he sees it, he will remember the covenant that he made with us. Here it is, Job 38, 8 through 11. I'm going to read it for you, and this is where, and I think I'm going to stop here. Job 38. 8 through 11.
Or who enclosed the seas with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I made the cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far shall you come, but no further, and here shall your proud waves stop. See, God set the boundaries to the land. And he's able to do it. So when you see a rainbow, remember, it's from the Lord. And it remind you, you can reflect on his glory, his beautiful, his, his beauty, his faithfulness, and his mercy. Someone said, and I don't know who said it, uh, the author's unknown, if God maintains creation in bright and ordered beauty, he can certainly keep us. So no matter what's going on in the world today, if you're worried about sickness, deed, um, disease, infections, God can keep you. So do not fear. Be wise, that's all. That's all I got to say. So um, we'll continue with verse 18 next week, okay? All right, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being here today. Thank you for your beautiful uh, rainbow in the clouds. Thank you, Father, for, for, for sparing us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you called us into the kingdom, into your marvelous light. And someday when we get to heaven, we're going to see that gorgeous rainbow if above your throne. And, Lord, if we think the rainbows down here are beautiful, wait till we see it up there. Lord, may we go from this place and speak and teach and live and move and have our being in you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you all.